previously on the Project Umbrella podcast. Oh, fucking hell. It's not going to be one of these quizzes, is it? Well, I got really nervous then when you said he has his special website. I thought you were going to mention the other one. Parlour's bloody clone things. Fuck, what are they called? I swear to God, if this is how many light bulbs are in the RPD, I'm on the <laughs> I was going to say Mendez with the beard and the grey coat, but I'll be honest, the hand dryer's thrown me. <laughs> <laughs> I will say now, it's not a hand dryer. Welcome to episode 49 and the start of season 5 of the Project Umbrella podcast, welcoming every Biohazard fan into 2019, and here's hoping for some more Resident Evil announcements this year. I'm Nick, better known as Neptune, so let's see who's joining us today. He lives so far up north, all the criminals are Mr. Freeze, it's Batman. Hello there. Behold, a berry wearing bioorganic weapon. It's Star Tyrant. Hello. And the realisation that we're talking to someone from the future. It's Rombie. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) Coming up on today's podcast, we have a tiny bit of news, uh, some site news, but mainly we're going to be previewing that small game coming out at the end of the month. What's it? Oh, yeah, that's right. The the remake of Resident Evil 2. It's going to be our final preview, our final wishes and hopes and fears as well of the game before our big kind of uh, review towards the end of the month. And of course, this podcast will end with... With the uh, brand new edition of Neptune's Biohazard Quiz. Listen out for the new music. Right, so we will start with some news. There has been a dearth of news, uh, ladies and gentlemen. The only bit of kind of solid biohazard news, other than Remake, which we'll talk about in the podcast, has been uh, the live-action director news. James Wan was uh, rumoured to have been uh, attributed and attached to the reboot of Resident Evil. That turned out to be a bit of a damp squid, and he has distanced himself from the project. Is this good or bad news? It's awful news, really. I've got a lot of time for James Wan and his Mm. horror work. It sounds like it was something he was interested in, but obviously he's attached to so much stuff. Mm. He has to pick and choose, and obviously there's going to be a lot of things ahead of a Resident Evil reboot. (laughs) (laughs) One would hope so, anyway. Mm. Given his uh, work, I mean, that's the thing, especially considering what's just been going, I mean, his last few movies especially have just been huge. So, like, exactly he can make and choose anyway, like, what he wants to be doing, given budgets and freedom and so forth. I thought it was more interesting that there was writers on board, and the writers were like, oh, yes, blah, blah, James Wan, blah, blah, and it's like, oh, clearly you're just talking complete horseshit. Like, <laughs> there is a first draft of the script done, isn't there? That's what they said, but he was talking about Wan being involved with it. It's like, clearly mm. not. I don't think he's actually had a screenplay 
made. So his script will obviously get rewritten by someone else, I imagine. But he said he was inspired by Resident Evil 7. I don't think it was based on Resident Evil 7, but inspired by it. So hopefully that means it'll be a bit more of a, a horror thing. Greg Russo, is it? Yeah, we will see. But you're probably right. It'll probably get rewritten by someone else and then someone else. And then by the end, we'll have computers and laser hallways. And... I do wonder if it, fundamentally they should give it a bit more time. I mean, I think the world is still coming to terms with how awful the franchise was <laughs> towards the end. Do, do we need to suddenly have another title thrown at us? I don't know. And no one's particularly excited about it, so... No, I think that's the bigger telling sign, is that you're right. Like, do we really need like, what, be three years, four years after the last one, by the time they rebooted one came out, do we really need it that quickly? No. Well, wasn't it announced like a week after the final chapter hit? I swear they were already talking about it before it even came out. <laughs> Have you uh, seen any of the director's films? Johannes Roberts, I'm just looking at it now. He did 47 metres down. Oh, that's supposed to be quite good, wasn't it? I think they've all got quite low ratings, though, aren't they, on Rotten Tomatoes and things? As a box oh, yeah. office of 61 million from a budget of 5 million. Really? Well, yeah. that, that would be considered successful. Yeah. But not like blockbuster successful, obviously. Financially, that would be successful. Mm, well, we'll see how it all unfolds, so keep your eyes open. Uh, that's the end of the main news, and I'll move on to some site news, and it's just a, a recap of all the latest goings-on that you may have missed over the Christmas break. So the first bit, we had the Project Umbrella annual Christmas advert was released <laughs> <laughs> to great fanfare. Uh, no fanfare. <laughs> that was <laughs> swiftly blocked by YouTube of Belgium and Luxembourg. Uh, for copyrighted music, but everywhere else seems to be okay. For anyone who's unaware, it was a bit of a parody of uh, the UK's latest John Lewis advert, the department store in this country, which they paid an exorbitant amount of money to Elton John to uh, have his life portrayed in view. So there we go. That intertwined with a bit of Dawn of the Dead, which I thought was quite good. So uh... <laughs> It's funny. I, I don't know if we were talking about this, but I've seen so many people complaining about it. Oh, it's just a big promo for their Elton John movie <laughs> that's <laughs> yeah. coming. So ridiculous. Yeah, not complain about my advert. They'll complain, they'll complain about yeah, the Yeah, complain about the other original, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, not your idea. You got comments about whether or not you're actually playing the piano. Yes, I, I am an expert at playing Moonlight Sonata. Apparently so, yeah. <laughs> but there we go. hope everyone enjoyed that. So the next one, obviously, is already planned out. So hopefully. Oh, yes. So uh, that got that to look forward to. Um, we also released on Christmas Day the 4D Executor audio and video commentary, uh, which I think went down quite well. We're very grateful for the selfish Gene for coming along because he's, as said in the commentary, he's actually been along to experience it firsthand in Japan and provided a lot of great insight into when particularly the 4D moments were coming in and how they uh, affected your viewing experience. So hopefully it's a bit different to the other 4D experiences that you can get on YouTube about the... Uh, the long lost title of uh, 4D Executor, which uh, well, I think is quite an interesting uh, little discussion. We're also, just to follow that up, me and Gene will be doing an Everything You Need to Know video about that as well. So uh, a bit of an interview with Gene uh, with some uh, exclusive photographs with any luck to add to that. So um, everyone around the world can see what it was like when uh, 4D Executor was up and running. Stars Tyrant, you've been very busy twitching. Indeed. Yes. <laughs> uh, is that is that a word? I'm going to make that a word. It's. Uh, um, I, I, I don't it's, know. It doesn't. It doesn't sound right. <laughs> so we've completed the refreshing versions of 
the outbreak games um you know we had to just give them a, a bit of a test run first before going into online properly <laughs> there was a few hurdles we had to cross um a few seriously shocking moments of uh, playing ability um, but we got there in the end and it ended on a really resounding success on end of the road with uh sunny bauer and uh jc wesker helping me out and we've actually now started from scratch and we're going to go through all 10 scenarios and provided he can get the game working uh, Mr Spencer will be our fourth man excellent and a big shout out to the other players that joined you stars they seem to know these scenarios inside out back to front considerably better than I do yes <laughs> I think I'll be doing um, a Resident Evil 2 one before the remake's release and I'll be using the Source Next version so if you've not had a chance to check that version out it's well worth looking at because the FMV sequences look amazing on it they're better than any console version so it's well worth a look Oh, well, that's good. That's lots to look forward to, and that kind of ties in nicely to our little uh, what's coming up uh, in 2019. So we've got more audio commentaries. Uh, the first is going to be on Apocalypse, which we're going to be doing. <laughs> <laughs> yes, been scouring the uh, the world to obtain a copy of the DVD. It's when, 50 pence in the UK, which was... Uh, I was just going to say, Nick, when you say scouring the world, is that just walking over to your DVD collection? <laughs> <laughs> wasn't my case, but I got to own one copy, which isn't going to be very helpful. So no, we're going to try and try and do it all pal or streamed or something like that. But no, I had to repurchase that. I've got the um, what I think is known as the resurrected version, the resurrected yeah. edition. Yeah, yeah. So who knows? It's got a special teaser for Extinction on it as a as an extra. <laughs> So that's exciting. Uh, Apocalypse is so terrible. (laughs) Wait until you get to Afterlife. uh... The thing that always uh, staggers me about Apocalypse is that Alexander Witt, who directed it, he's actually done some like major second unit direction on things like Avengers Infinity War and things like that. It's it's absolutely crazy. The problem is, this is the thing, there's nothing actually wrong with the directorial stars of the second and the third film, to be quite honest. It's more the plot and character development, and we know who to blame specifically for that. We've got that coming up. I'm going to also be doing a uh, Everything You Need to Know video about two mobile games, Resident Evil Genesis and Uprising, with any luck. Um, if anyone's unaware, these were uh, mobile games specifically developed by Capcom as opposed to being outsourced, and they contain canon material. And uh, <laughs> I will say canon material with an asterisk just to caveat any dissenters amongst us. So yeah, that'll be quite interesting. I'm in the process of also looking into Gaiden, so we should have an editorial on that, possibly a YouTube video to accompany, and we're going to be doing a Gaiden podcast at some point this year. So that's exciting. <laughs> uh, oh, we're also going to be, with any luck, doing a uh, Operation Raccoon City stream slash playthrough slash what the hell is this? Again, I've had to go repurchase Operation Raccoon City. <laughs> <laughs> you know I sold it for 99p what do you, mean? You, you, you saw the evidence and that to go How much did you have to buy it back for? <laughs> £3.50 <laughs> So you already had a £2 loss <laughs> over your original purchase of it yeah, to begin you, with you, And I had to drive about 14 mile round trip just to get it <laughs> It wasn't oh, my the local petrol. Hero. The petrol so Deserve a medal for that one I know, yeah. I know Anyway and then finally Batman is doing a secret project I will say no more Any predicted date on that Batman? Um, hopefully maybe Easter time oh wow quite early oh great so um, keep your eyes and ears open for that I personally had a little sneak preview it's amazing so that is all the site news for now we now turn our attention to the main uh, focal point of today's podcast it's our final preview of the Resident Evil 2 remake 
I want to find out what's happening here. She's the one at Umbrella responsible for unleashing the virus. Seems to be evolving much faster than expected. You gotta be kidding me. God only knows what's down here. What the hell? It'll be all over Let me soon. Go! I'll get you, you fucker! Nita! Sherry, I'm coming! I'm not handing over anything! Oh, Jesus oh, Christ! That? You don't know what you're up against. The whole place is coming down. That's a damn good idea. Wow, wow, wow. We are very fast approaching the release of Resident Evil 2. Uh, I think everyone here has pre-ordered, but we are getting excited, I think. Um, there's a lot of hype building. I know Mr. Spencer, who can't be with us today, he is very much on the hype train now. But should he be? Should he be? That is the question. What are we hoping? What are we looking out for? What do we want from this game? As a kind of general overview, uh, Batman, I know you've gone through the emotional ringer with this game since it was announced, so what are you generally hoping for? I don't know. I mean, I think I've made my peace with it now in terms of it being a reimagining rather than a straight-up remake. I wasn't attracted to the idea of it being a remake at all. I think Sean's mentioned before that as a Resident Evil game, it does look stunning, but it's the whole Resident Evil 2 aspect that I'm not comfortable with. I still, even now, don't think it needed to be done, but having said that, I am looking forward to playing it. I think the thing I'm looking forward to the most is the police station. I think the police station looks really good. The changes are different, yet at the same time, subtle enough, uh, and I'm really looking forward to spending a couple of hours just exploring it all and finding all the Easter eggs and everything. I'm not really going to get bogged down on the whole canon issues this is inevitably going to throw up because I just don't think there's any point until Remake 3 hits. So for the time being, I'm just looking forward to playing another solid Resident Evil game and it is going to be nice to go back to the sort of 1998 time frame where the original Umbrella was still around and all the old characters so I'm looking forward to it but at the same time I'm still a bit about the whole remake thing. Okay, Rombie? I've been pretty happy to be looking forward to it for the last several months I think I've been maybe the least pessimistic here, um, just taking it on face value to begin with. I mean, you guys, I can hear the changes. We've all gotten closer to it. Everyone's gotten a little bit more excited and kind of just made their peace with what it is. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just looking for that atmosphere. I think that's what I'm hoping for. I'm still not convinced some of it's there, but just the idea of exploring it and, and as, as we said, you know, going back to this time frame of what it is gives you know, certain opportunities. And I'm kind of interested to see what little surprises are thrown and what things are callbacks and what things are, you know, Subverted almost, you know, you expect something to happen and then they do something kind of a little bit interesting with it because that's what even the original remake did a lot of. Yeah, the dog's not jumping out and things like that. Yeah, exactly. Like you're expecting it and then they do jump but in a different way or, you know, it's, it's that little subversion. I'm expecting a few of those things. And I'm really interested, I know it sounds ridiculous, but like considering how much almost self censored. Resident Evil 2 became in some ways compared to like what they'd had planned on it was a time thing and then the later games in that kind of era the gore factor and this is ridiculously over the top so it's going to be very interesting to see what sort of how that plays on sort of enemy transformations and you know deaths and seeing what you can do with the zombies is just pretty crazy so I'll be very interested to see how that plays out as well. Star Stone? I'm really looking forward to it as a gameplay experience, first and foremost. Um, there's been quite a lot of footage since the last podcast came out, and obviously we've had the proper Ada reveal, so now you know we know she's wearing the same attire that we're used to. She feels somewhat different, so I'm going to be interested to see what they've done with her character, uh, whether they're going to flesh her out and actually you know, shed some light on 
you know, the rival organization, rival company and that. The Mr. X gameplay to me looks fabulous because it feels like it's, you know, that sort of concept perfected. My fears do come from more sort of canon areas because I do see this to many this will replace the original in its canon and as we'll go into more detail i've come across some more sort of thoughts when i'm you know musing over what i'm worried about with the project and would not be at all surprised and i'll go into this in a bit more detail later i wouldn't be at all surprised if they use an opportunity like these two remakes two and three because it's it's almost you know we we know the third one's not going to be far behind i wonder whether they'll use these as opportunities to effectively erase things like outbreak and survivor from the canon that's that's my, my sort of biggest fear. Absolutely, and I've been, I think I was quite vocal last time we kind of discussed it. I wasn't happy about what they're doing, and I, and I kind of maintain that view. I personally find it a complete waste of resources, and I'd rather see new storylines being progressed, especially if at this point in time we're still unclear as to its general status in the storyline. If it's just a reimagining, then... For me, the only way I'd be interested in it is if it's like a recollection by either Sherry or Leon sitting on a psychiatrist's couch, a bit like in Silent Hill, Shattered Memories, that type of thing. Otherwise, like you guys have said, it looks absolutely brilliant. I love the Resident Evil engine that was developed for 7, and I think that that can be hopefully successfully implemented with this kind of over-the-shoulder Resident Evil 4 look. We shall see. I love the exploration that was forced upon you in Resident Evil 7, and I hope that is transferred to Resident Evil 2. I hope you are rewarded for looking carefully like you were in that game. So it's exciting, and I think it's going to be odd, because I think a lot of fans, for example, will say, when talking about Resident Evil 4, will say, great game, brilliant game, not a very good Resident Evil game. I just wonder at this, I think they're going to say it's going to be great Resident Evil game. Just, I can feel the butt. I can feel the butt coming and, well, we'll see. We'll, we'll see how it goes. But it, it looks great. I can't wait to play it. Right. So one thing the stars you raised was that we've had a lot more footage since the last podcast about Ada and we can kind of talk about the general graphical upgrade, if you like, of the RPD and the characterizations and things like that. Batman, you mentioned as well about how great the RPD is looking and I, I put that down a lot to the lighting and the shadow or the lack of lighting. I think this, it really does give that kind of creepy atmosphere that you're hoping for in an abandoned art museum slash police station. Absolutely. And we've talked before that they've tweaked the layout and seemingly made things, you know, a bit more realistic with the amendments they've done to the interrogation rooms and obviously the changes in the main hall, even though I think we all said we preferred the iconic look of the original, the changes they've had made with the placement of the reception desk and the stairs do make more sense for a functioning police station. The only maybe criticism I've got from the footage I've watched, I haven't watched it all, is in a lot of places the police station's very, very dark. You know, a bit too dark, but I'm hoping, like in the East Corridor, for example, I think there's a fuse box, uh, so I'm hoping you can illuminate it as you go through the game. I imagine there would be in a lot of these games now, is that you can tweak the gamma and the kind of darkness of your set of games, so um, Mm. I'd recommend getting your picture settings spot on before you play to make sure that you get how it was intended to be. And of course, if you're playing it on an HDR console, then if it's going to be pitch black, you know, you should be getting the proper blacks, um, which the HDR of the wide colour gamut can bring to your picture. So it could be uh, could be something special. And did you also notice they've actually put extra desks in the Star's office? Yeah. <laughs> so they've all got a desk. 
it looks, I mean, obviously we've, we've not seen the full office. The footage we've got is very broken up, but it doesn't look like we have, unless it's in a file that you pick up from a desk, but there certainly doesn't look to be one on the wall of the Stars team, which is a bit unfortunate. Just someone pointed out, though, there's a copy of the photo sitting in one of the photo labs. Oh, is yeah. It? Tray. Yeah. yeah. Is it exactly the same one then, or have they, have they yeah. revised it? Hard to tell because it's not high quality, but you can tell the shape matches perfectly. There's the helicopter and the people on oh, sitting and standing and kneeling. I was really quite looking forward to like an updated version with like a zero Edward on there. And it isn't saying that there isn't somewhere else. Um, that you won't see it somewhere else, but the, someone's at least noticed that. That was the other thing because it was a funny little thing as well that um, on Jill's desk is the photo frame, which yes, in the dog. original now it's a dog. Someone was like, Jill's boyfriend is a dog. Like, I was assuming it was his boyfriend or something. I will say, you know, not not. To, I'm, I'm trying not to be negative, but uh, the star's office changes are like one of the first things that I've been like because ah, I just saw the star's office is so iconic. Yes, you know. I feel like they've tried to keep everything that at least seems to make sense. And much like everything else, they thought really logically, which is not just to give the extra desks, but they've given, like, the captain's desk has got his own office, which yeah. totally makes sense. And the plaque is still there, and it's the traditional one. It's not even the changed one. So, like, because I think we've yeah. previously talked about this, that the logo's changed in various formats, but this is the original logo still on the wall, and Chris's jacket's still hanging there. Like, the bits are all still there, it seems. It's just... Someone's managed to zoom in on the wall near Chris's desk, and I think there is a marksmanship certificate on there, or something like that. <laughs> Trophy or certificate. But apparently, Chris's diary is missing. Oh. Again, a weird little change it could just be somewhere else obviously but i don't understand why why it would need to be moved <clears throat> so in terms of we've had the ada reveal we were concerned about you know she was a bit obvious in her spy role in her kind of trench coat but we've seen that she underneath that she is sporting her bitch in the red dress type attire and she looks good i think you can tell it's obviously ada in terms of appearance-wise, and I'm hoping that we get a bit more information about who she's working for at this point. There's a good opportunity to... They won't resist bringing in Wesker. I'm pretty convinced of it. Well, she seems oddly forthcoming this time around. I think Aid is the biggest problem I've got in terms of the characters so far, because it just seems completely out of character that she's like telling Leon that she's a spy and like, oh yeah, I'm after Umbrella because they create bioweapons and this is a networking <laughs> and I need to stop her and anything else you want to know. You know, it's just completely different and doesn't fit with how she's later portrayed in 4 and 6 at all. That's and, and that's consistent to how the original, yeah, how she was in the original game, which is she didn't say a hell of a lot. Mm. Um, yeah. And it built up that affection, didn't it, over time? She was so dismissive that Leon was... You know, absolutely, I'm going to help you, I like you, that type of thing. And no matter what she did, he continued to support her. And then by the end, she was quite, oh, yeah, he's, he's a nice guy. The fact that in the original, she obviously uses the cover story. And I was like, oh, that's, this could be really well easily expanded on here, where she continues to expand on that cover story. And it does get mentioned, but then, yeah, immediately she's just like, is John said, just like going straight forward to like, oh, I'm a spy, an umbrella, and blah, blah, blah. It's just like, oh, what's the point of having a, a cover story? Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you got me, you got me. <laughs> um, I stand corrected, guys. The stars photo is behind Wesker's desk. Which is where it was in the original. It was on the wall beside yeah, his desk. It's actually yeah. stood in a frame this time, and it's next to a file that Claire picks up in the footage I watch. But interestingly, the footage cuts, so you can't actually see what the file is. It just oh, jumps. So maybe that's something they've been had to cut out, so... Um, no spoilers. And just the only other thing about Ada is I'm not a fan of her uh, little X-ray pen thing she's got. Oh no, yeah. <laughs> you know where it's going. Batman device. Mm. I, I do know where it's going, guys, and we all know where it's going. 
Are you looking forward to the tyrant being dispatched by a lipstick? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> uh, it's, it, I mean, it's what, 1998, Umbrella's pretty high-tech, and whoever Wesker's working for, they're going to be pretty high-tech. They've, you know, cloning has been pretty much perfected by a weapon, so they're allowed a bit of advanced tech. Resident Evil has always had technology that I think some you know filmmakers call it a ten minutes in the future. You know, and I, and I don't mind that, but it's just, I don't know, there's just certain devices in the series. You know, and Operation Raccoon City is really guilty for it for just having oh, like it's really bad for that, ridiculous tech. And I just see Ada's as the same sort of. I mean, not that a woman who can use a rappel gun like Spider Man is any more plausible, but you know. Yeah, but there's a slight reality of a repel gun yeah, it's push, existing. <laughs> it's that comfortability of pushing it that's slightly bit too far. Like, if she had something that looked really low-tech and you didn't see how it was connected, like, you know, how you see this kind of almost see-through appearance of it, people probably would give it a bit more of a pass. Yeah. It's the fact that it looks so high-tech and it seems a little bit too far-fetched. That's the disconnect, I think. We'll see, we'll see. You know, it's it's one of those things. And, you know, in terms of the giving it a pass, you always give it a pass in terms of the end-of-boss monster gun that's just happened to be invented for some reason. That's always been a pass. The, the anti-T Veronica gun, yeah. which was oddly invented. The anti-TG gun, which was oddly invented. You know, that kind of thing. You go, fine, you'll let him have that one. But uh, <laughs> we'll see how the in-game tech goes. But, but the- the difference there is, and this is kind of what I was trying to say, is that it stretches into the realms of the plausible in the sense that you think, well, maybe if you create something, you want to create something that destroys it. So therefore, that's the justification that gives you the pass for it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, if the gun's going to stop something with that is a monster or whatever, then then you, it, its invention kind of is necessitated. What, what form that takes could be, it could be a gun, it could be something else, but it, it kind of is justified, but like something that's kind of far-fetched. Like, you ha- we all have to completely say that the, the thing that Ada's using is purely to make her gameplay section have almost like this quasi-puzzle element, but it's also like, I don't know if you've seen the footage, but she's trying to open something while being attacked like it's obviously a purely for a gameplay point and if that's the case over time you kind of start to forgive it because you go well it's, it's about the gameplay it's not really about the high-tech technology really mm. we'll see we'll see what I, I wanted to touch upon as well is the general photorealistic look of the the faces of the characters now and whether they are from what we've seen are they portraying their respective characters Obviously, this first crept up in Resident Evil 7 and the, the endless debates about whether Redfield was Chris Redfield. God, you know, and it turned out it was. It still doesn't really look like Chris, but I think by the end of Not a Hero, you kind of felt that it was Chris. I did, anyway. I don't think Leon and Claire look anything like Leon and Claire, personally. And I think there are some shots of Claire. She looks more like Sheva than she does Claire. But from what you've seen, are you feeling that they've got the right characterization of them? Well, they're recognisable, I think, which is what's important. I mean, as soon as you see a picture of Leon, you're going to know it's Leon. Whereas when you first saw Chris, you'd say, that's definitely not Chris. No. I, don't, I don't know. I'm not. Yeah. I didn't think Leon looked anything like Leon. Well, I think he does. If, I mean, if I saw a picture of this character and I didn't know what game it was, I would have guessed it was Leon. Just from the hair. The hair is, is more yeah. is iconic to Leon, yeah. But his costume is mostly unchanged. I'm he sort has of two un- costumes, that's the thing, yeah. Yeah. If you saw, let's just say, for example, way back early in 2018, there was a leak from Capcom and there was no game that was assigned to it. It was just an image and it was the reimagined Claire. I don't know if I'd have looked at that and thought that's Claire Redfield. 
I think it would be circumstantial. If I knew it was a leak from Capcom and I had enough of an inkling based maybe yeah. not just on the look, but if the costume, then maybe I would guess. But you're right, yeah. If it was just a headshot or I, maybe not. It's just, if, obviously, if she'd been in the RE2 costume, then again, that costume's iconic. Ada's a bit more... I mean, she, I don't, Ada's not really that changed, to be no. honest. She, she looks the most like as she's been in other games. I think um, that's interesting. I mean, I want to say across the board, they've tried, I guess, as a response to this whole Chris thing, maybe, that they've tried to find, because obviously it's all based on actual people, Yeah. Um, people as close to an approximate of what they want, which if that's the case, then they've done really, really well in this game compared, like the fact that you don't turn around and go, yeah, that doesn't look anything like that character, um, mm. like the situation with Chris. I mean, I do think um, Annette looks and both feels like a completely different character now. There's nothing in there, but personally, for me, that reminds me of the character. But then I felt the same in Dark Side, even though she still looked like Annette. I felt like the characterization for her was way off in Dark Side. Mm. It's a big responsibility, then, isn't it? I mean, you know, you're really spending a long, a lot of time with Claire and Leon. The whole point of Leon at this point in his life, he is relatively vulnerable, but he's got that optimistic streak about him. He shouldn't be anything like Chris, who's, you know, Chris, the kind of hardened stars man who knows, you know, he can look after himself. Leon's got to be that kind of, I need to help people and I'll do what I can. Claire's got to be brave, heroic, but also have that kind of maternal side that obviously that Sherry brings out in her and being able to not only look after her, but, you know, keep her safe. And, and push forward battling the whores and she's got to be horrified and I think we've seen clips of when she encounters Birkin you know the G creature she is, she's looking that kind of oh my god this is outrageous but I'm hoping they get that right because it's important you know how it then plays out later in the series because Resident Evil 4 Leon is very different from Resident Evil 2 Leon yeah but Claire's always worked because they've always managed to play on that maternal side of it they have um, yeah. even with the Except- you know sad loss of Alison Court in Revelations 2 because she's acting as sort of like a motherly figure to Moira I still felt they were able to make her feel like the same character in many ways because it threw back to the early Claire in Degeneration when she's looking after Ronnie, things like that It's a big job for them to be able to do it and this game is so beloved um, and the characters are so beloved they've got to nail it whereas if like when they do it, if they're going to do Remake 3 there's not a great affiliation to Nikolai, certainly not Carlos they could have a little bit of fun with him I'll, I'll put it out now, though, Capcom, if you're listening. Fans are already getting on board for a fallout if you dare to not use Julia Voth as Jill yes. in, <laughs> in a three remake. God, I've already seen it on the forums. <laughs> yes, yeah, absolutely. But they, they can have a bit more fun with three, I think, because as long as they get Jill right, they've only kind of got that. Whereas Resident Evil 2 is so perfectly written and cast and the characterizations are so ingrained in people. Yeah, they've got, I they've agree, got a yeah. big job on their hands, big job on their hands. Um, it's interesting you brought up though about uh, Leon needing to be a different character to Chris because I do believe it was you Nick in a conversation we had a couple of weeks ago regarding the changed background to Leon because he's not this sort of flawed or I've overslept because I'm drunk and I'm late for my first day or whatever now he's actually I've broken up with my girlfriend yeah yeah it's I been rewritten that. in the remake, hasn't it, that he now actively seeks out going to Raccoon City to help and yeah. be a bit of a hero. Hero, 
Yeah, because he doesn't hear anything. He was supposed to get a call back for his start date, and he never did. And when he tries contact them, he can't get through, so he just goes there to find out what's going on. I don't mm. mind. I think yeah. you know, they can play on that angle as going, I want to be a hero. But then if they're going to do that, I think they're going to need him to face the reality and the horror of the situation and, and kind of play on that as well. The one bit that stayed consistent in the original was that he read about the murders in Raccoon and requested to be put there. But yeah, people have been really complaining about this on the internet because they just felt like it was quite a human touch that you know almost your fate intervened and yeah. if he hadn't done that and then had gone he may have been killed or been there a day or two earlier in the outbreak or when it was more severe and he wouldn't have met Claire and he wouldn't have been a person who has ended up surviving Raccoon City and so it's like I kind of see why people are getting frustrated with that change because it changes a big part of why he's even there so yeah, and again it? it seems it seems such an unnecessary change as well I don't understand mm. you know what the rewritten story will add I like what Rob what you just said isn't like the opening text of um, scenario B when you play it something about like like in Destiny they meet or something like that yeah I can't remember what it says but it alludes to the fact that it's through chance and fate that these two people have met Mm. I hope it's just not to get a consistent view with how he is in say 6 because by 6 he is indistinguishable from Chris except apart from his Ada obsession and Chris's drinking problem which then becomes Leon's drinking problem in uh, the animated <laughs> well, well, I've been quietly impressed with, with from what I've seen of Leon so far he does come across as naive and a rookie because like you said we're so used to him sort of blindly throwing a grenade over his shoulder and winking at the camera <laughs> and then speeding off on his bike he, he likes to say Jesus Christ a lot in this I mean a few people have complained about the way he talks to himself when he's walking around which again I've not watched it also I've not really seen that but the scenes where he's with Marvin in particular you can tell he's looking a bit completely overawed by the experience and that's good yeah talking to yourself is like I think I would be doing that if I was a situation you're mm. almost calming yourself saying what the fuck's going on here and you're like I'm gonna get around the corner I'm gonna do this and do that you almost he's gonna be with you as a, as a player Ethan was a bit like that some of the most hilarious moments in the original game when Leon mm. um, is frustrated with Ada just fucking off all the time yeah <laughs> Yeah. To which he often gives, you know, the audience a little line of frustration. Why doesn't anyone ever listen to me? <laughs> that kind of thing. It'd be interesting as well as to see how they end up. I mean, Resident Evil 2 always ended with a bit of a cliffhanger. By They escaped, of course, but the, the city continued to um, suffer onwards. Raccoon City stood for another couple of days. But I wonder if they are going to do Remake 3, whether they're going to hint it in the kind of uh, end credits. They'll escape on the train or something like that, and then they'll go, two days later, the city was bombed, you know, and... I really wouldn't be surprised if it ends with like a a very obvious confirmation of remake three. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Or a cut back to the city and an appearance of Jill or something. Yeah. yeah. Or if you could just hear the nemesis somewhere going stars. That would be awesome though, wouldn't it? That would be No. Enough. You don't have to see him. No, no, just <laughs> no, no, it would be good. But I almost don't want to see what they're going to do with the nemesis after seeing how like relentlessly uh, the tyrant pursues you now. Mm. If you've got the fucking nemesis running after you around the station like that, it's going to be mad. You were spot on, Rob, with the uh, achievement for knocking his hat off. I knew it. I'm still totally keen for hats on all enemies. I really am. I think if you can, if you can have it on him and you can knock it off, bonus mode where every enemy appearance has a hat on it. Would be yeah. hilarious. That's my biggest hope for the series. That's coming. It's going to be rolled out across all games. <laughs> well, we'll, we'll, we will say then, um, aside from the silly hat on the tyrant, I think the gameplay for the tyrant looks magnificent. Yeah. This is everything I ever wished for in terms of like how good they could have a pursuer 
enemy. The fact that there's now no loading times between doors and it's just a relentless thing that's like ever present and it doesn't look like it's outside of its initial arrival uh, which is very near the helicopter crash it looks like it's just always there in the station and you have to like lose it and you know like almost throw a dummy and then run out a different way and get back to it but i mean there's just something incredible a couple of the videos show you like uh claire doing a puzzle or whatever and then you can hear the tyrant like upstairs stamping around getting closer and closer and then like you know that you, you turn around and he's just in a corridor in the distance just coming towards you and this is just if it's done right and if it's if it's done as well as it looks in this footage it's going to be magnificent yeah it'll probably put the uh the ushtanak stalking to shame and it, you don't need oh, to be totally. t- 20 times the size, you know, being able to jump from helicopter to helicopter to be a, a, a pursuer of fear and dread. He's, well, Mr. X is going to pull it off, I think. I remember when Resident Evil 6 was announced and they said there was going to be, you know, big differences between the campaigns. And they made it sound like Ustanak was going to pursue you through the entire game. Like it was just going to be like an ever-present enemy that if you loitered in an area too long or whatever, he was going to turn up and he was going to change. And that's how I thought they were going to differ Jake and Sherry's campaign. This looks like it's that idea finally sort of perfected. Mm. Um, There is just something about you're completely distracted with whatever it is you're doing and then you literally just turn around and he's just fucking there, coming down a moonlit corridor, just stomping away. All you can hear is like the, the shoes hitting the floor. It's... It's really good. The look of him, like, climbing in through doorways, popping a door open, and then he has to, like, shrink himself and underneath to get through if he doesn't smash his way. I was just like, whoa, okay, that's pretty cool. Like, just that. He, sh- he shoves zombies well. out like, the way as well. If a zombie's yeah. in the way, he'll just literally just push it and it'll, like, hit the wall. <laughs> I just hope he doesn't turn I've up seen too him. early oh. and he's, he's not too relentless because I do want to spend enough time, you know, exploring. I don't yes. want it to spoil the sort of. You know, because you're always running to run away from him. Yeah, I agree with that. One of the videos I saw too is through seeing of shunting zombies is quite impressive too, which is kind of a little bit of a little side trick by the looks of it. Is that obviously a zombie had attacked, I think I saw a video of Claire jammed a grenade in the zombie's mouth, but then not detonated it. And then he came down and he smashed the zombie in the wall and the grenade detonated and it knocked him slightly back like he wasn't expecting it so he because he was walking past as it detonated which was really cool i was like wow i wonder if they'll implement something like madhouse mode and he can then pursue everywhere but that there could be some restrictions like with jack uh, in the baker house because i think in madhouse mode he could come into everywhere whereas i think in all other modes he, he didn't he stopped pursuing definitely yeah. they definitely announced as a harder difficulty mode so i wouldn't be surprised if that's one of those elements of it definitely he does look good um we haven't seen actually many other bows we see the videos of birkin i'm not quite convinced on birkin battles just yet it looks a bit formulaic Mm. That would be a real stark contrast to, say, the tyrant battles, which could be very unpredictable. And you know, every time you play it, you're gonna have a different encounter. You know, you might have a famous moment where you're on like one ammo and one shot knocks him off the balcony, or I don't know, or something like that. And you you remember that, and that'll never happen again to you. Whereas the Birkin fights do seem a bit traditional boss fight, aren't they? They they are, they are. I'm hoping it's not too obvious. People were thinking that the Jeep monster that was in the ground, yeah, they thought it was a new one, but it's clearly just a reimagining of the one that's in the original because it spits out the same little parasite things. And that was a bit shit in the original because you just sort of stood there and and shot it, didn't you? There was no tactics to it. No. If you've got the magnum by that point, haven't you? And you can just like just shoot it five times stood still. The worst one was fighting Birkin's form in that room with the pipe. You know, yeah. like, he could just pretty much kill you in one shot, really, if he got anywhere near you. 
I think the sewers look quite good from what we've seen so far. They've definitely had the chance to expand them, yeah. Mm. One of the videos I've seen, you get a very quick glimpse of the giant alligator. You just see it moving through the tunnels in the distance and it puts its shadow up against the wall. Looks really good. Do we know if the ivies are coming back or if they've been removed entirely? Did I read something? There was an interview saying they'd been removed because they were a bit too unrealistic. One of the big themes about this remake is they've said that they want to try and make everything a bit more realistic, which is good because, you know, if, if it's believable, it's more terrifying. I've seen contradictory statements about that because I saw the fact that they've been removed because of that realism thing, but then I, I'm sure I read somewhere else that they've replaced them with something that they think is more realistic, so I don't I don't know. Or, but then they've reimagined released... them in a new form. Possibly, but then they've also released in a recent interview where they've said there's basically no new BLWs in the game because they want to make it as authentic as possible to the original. Sure. Yeah. I'm surprised they've not taken the opportunity to put something like the uh, Gorilla Man or the Spider-Man in from uh, 1.5. Well, apparently it's just the shooting range, isn't it? But it wouldn't surprise me if there's a few more 1.5 elements in there. It does seem odd, though. Uh, obviously, I, I, the Elsa costume. Yeah. Mm. I, I, coat. I get what they're saying about the plants. They do come, come at a bit of left field. But there's precedent. Obviously, they're kind of based on a bit of BOW data from Plant 42, which was a, you know, a mistake, a secondary infection. And, you know, there's always been plants in flashback, as Sean Hughes discovered recently. And then, I mean, Darkside Chronicles, of course, they they continued with the uh, IVXY. So there is a bit of a progression, if you like, with plant-based BOWs. Yeah, but then you could argue that it was the original Resident Evil 2 that kicked that all off, because I think in the first game, Plant 42 was portrayed as more of an accident, wasn't it? It was, yeah. It was, yeah. Whereas the IVs were BOWs, and then it just got a bit silly with the T. Veronica virus and the plant DNA mm. and all that stuff. We'll see, we'll see. So I think that leads us on to the thorny question of the storyline because we've got a new area coming up with the orphanage, which I don't have a problem at all with new areas being introduced. Batman, you think this is going to replace the sewage treatment plant? No, I said that. Oh, did you say that? Sorry. <laughs> yeah. And I wouldn't have an issue with that because we've talked before about the issues with the geography there. But it seems to be a new subplot in relation to... I don't know if you've noticed the opening Chief Irons cutscene. Obviously, they've changed his role mm. completely. Sherry actually drops the pendant with the G-Virus in it and Claire picks it up, which is obviously completely contradictory to the original. And I think he takes Sherry to the orphanage and locks her up and then phones Claire because he needs to get the pendant back. Wow. Do we think we're going to see zombie children? Absolutely not. So why introduce well, was, an orphanage? There was yeah. that one shot in one of the trailers, wasn't there, that looked to be a Ringu-esque girl with long dark hair. It's Evelyn um, being hinted at early. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I know... Like I've I've raised a few issues with the more sort of um, adult nature that they've gone for, particularly with you know, the series has always been adult, but you know the seriously darker side they're portraying of Brian Irons this time. You know, just look oh, at yeah. some of the detail in the files. I'll not repeat it here, mm-hmm. and his sort of you know willingness to like unleash violence upon Claire, which is very different from the original. I don't think they would do zombie children. I don't think they would have players shooting zombie children with the era we're living in at the minute i just don't think capcom would want another resident evil 5 on their hands albeit in a different way yeah i just think though if you're told as a player you're now off to the orphanage i'm going to be playing again i'm going to be coming up against zombie children here mm. i think it's just going to be more of a an abandoned puzzle heavy yeah, like they got area them, got them out yeah yeah i'm sure they can make some reason as to why there was no no one in there and I'm sure there'll be there'll be more new areas. I mean, we've talked before about how short the original game is. It's police station 
sewers and then you're more or less at the lab and all the media Capcom have released so far pretty much covers the police station to the sewers so I'm sure there's a lot more we've yet to see and if, if the orphanage is exclusive to Claire's scenario then Liam obviously have some sort of equivalent yes that's... haven't they shown some footage of Ada in the orphanage though as well oh, I don't know I've not seen that I think so I'm pretty sure she goes there in one of the screenshots I've seen what we haven't talked about is the lab because we haven't seen anything from the lab they're keeping that very much under wraps i think we discussed it recently about the lab itself has huge implications on the rest of the series go there in outbreak and in two and in zero as well here's a scenario for you then nick go on then it loads up the electronic doors open up and before you is the lab from orc mm. It wouldn't surprise me, you know. I wouldn't be surprised in the slightest if we see that big lobby with like the couches and the umbrella plasma screens on the wall. It wouldn't surprise me in the slightest. And the same with the massive foundry, because that was in Darkside Chronicles first, and then it was copy and pasted into Orc, and it was obviously never in the original. But to be honest, the original lab wasn't great, in my opinion. So I'm not really bothered if they change the lab. I'd like to think they would keep the marshalling yard and the train turntable exactly the same. Because even though this is a remake, yeah. it still it still has to correspond with Resident Evil Zero before it. Then the bottom and the, well. and the arrival area probably yeah. has to stay relatively the same with yeah. the little security office and all that. But yeah. the rest of the lab could pretty much be reimagined, and it wouldn't be a big issue. But if they do keep it faithful to the original, it'll be very interesting to see if you can go down to the extra floors that were added for uh, below freezing point. I always really like the lab in Resident Evil 2. I'll be alone putting my hand up there saying... Uh... I didn't not like it. It was just complete nonsensical the way you had to... Oh, yeah. But I, lo- I love that about this series, though. <laughs> I think what you're saying, though, Bats, is that you're treading very much into wishful thinking territory as to, uh, I hope it links up with this particular point of outbreak. I hope that we have the broken window from Nemesis. I hope we have, you know... All, all... Well, not necessarily that, but obviously, you know, yes, this is a remake, it's a reimagining, but it's still set after Resident Evil Zero, which is canon, so the marshalling yard at the very least, and like you said, the lab entrance bit has to correspond with that, surely. The thing that makes the most sense out of all of this, though, is you go back to our original comments about things being more realistic, means that the more absurd parts of the lab layout that don't kind of correspond and couldn't be really used as a lab are more likely to be the things that are going to be tackled, Mm. because they have been for the RPD already, like what we've seen, like what we're talking about with the desk and the layout, you know, as far as access ways and so forth, and more bathrooms. And And I hope they keep the iconic bit in the little control room underneath where Wesker and Burke now where Mr. X smashes the camera. Yes. That was so good in the original, I kind of hope they recreate that. I think they will. <laughs> it's just interesting I think we've discussed it as well before that perhaps there's going to be a timeline shift you're going to have zero, one, and then 2 slash 3 and then you can carry on with a kind of original route and then you know perhaps you know this goes off in a new direction and then diverges back at a different game you know a different game maybe at 4 as you said the test will be whether this links up with 0 because if it doesn't link up even with 0 mm. then it's so on its own yeah um, it'd be a complete reimagining just you know someone's going what would I do if I wanted to make Resident Evil 2 this is how I would do it without any due care towards the other games but we know they are caring because they've, they've hinted at Rita and things like that so they, they're obviously slightly aware of previous games so it'd be interesting but to see what they do this leads on to the point I made earlier on then I wouldn't be at all surprised if we see in this game like when you get down to the labs and you get 
a file that gives you a new history and background for how the tyrant program exists you know i could see them using this game as a way of saying this is like the new canon now and in this canon survivor doesn't exist because it's an easy way for them to not have to consider a re-release of survivor because the thing is if they introduce a file and it might surprise us you never know you might get a file in the labs which says you know like information on the tyrant and it might say you know tyrants are provided from a mass production plant on sheena island i can't imagine they'll do that because people who maybe don't follow the series as close as we do are going to sit there and go well what the fuck sheena island Mm. the same way they may inevitably do when they play zero but this is a good opportunity to sort of neaten up the series and streamline the actual sort of active titles well yeah i mean again in an ideal world you know when tyrants dropped in on the rpd i want to see sergey vladimir well yeah yeah. you know that's not going to happen you want (laughs) that'll be another another thing swept under the rug yeah you want to see sergey you don't be wandering around and suddenly see a random russian agent taking the umfl 13 or whatever it is from birkenstad yeah but then you know this is a capcom that put in bloody Resident Evil 7 and Alyssa Ashcroft reference. Mm. So, you know, uh, I don't know. And brought back HCF as well. Yeah. Maybe they'll take the Outbreak approach with it. Maybe they will create a new backstory for the Tyrants for this particular game, but they'll still reference Sheena Island. So they'll say, yeah, we're changing it, but Sheena Island still exists in this universe, which corresponds with this game sitting alongside the original Resident Evil 2 as an alternative experience rather than directly replacing it. Yeah. It's going to be so interesting. It's going to raise a lot of debate. You know, when you play through Resident Evil 7, it was, how does this connect to the rest of the series? Because it looks so such a departure. I can't understand how it's going to. This is just going to be a case of, I'm going to be playing through it, scrutinising every poster on the wall, every, you know, bit of information on a desk. It's probably going to take me about 15 hours to finish. If it's still a a shortened experience, like something like 7 is, it's going to take me hours to finish it because I'm just going to be looking for details. Well, seven, you could spend hours just yeah. wandering around and seeing what you can find. But I felt you were rewarded in doing so, but hopefully that's replicated. I think you'll know quite early on whether this is canon. I think we'll have a similar experience to Orc when we weren't quite sure when Orc came out whether it was canon or not, but you knew quite quickly that this wasn't going to mm. correspond with what we knew. So I, I think we'll all have that experience relatively soon in the game. And then that will be fine because then you could just go in and just have a blast and enjoy it and go, okay, well, see what's going on. I'll think about it afterwards. I just want to do the experience. So. Well, to be honest, I'm not so sure about that because they might introduce new things in this which contradicts what we know about Resident Evil 3, for example, but we know the remake in Resident Evil 3. And we mentioned off-air that they'll probably make even more changes with that because Resident Evil 3 is very, very small game and the only sort of plot point of note is Raccoon City gets destroyed so they can pretty much do anything with that. As they did in Umbrella Chronicles. Yeah, so I'm not sure we will know if this will break canon or not until Remake 3 is available. Here's a question I've pitched to you guys. We'll just say there's not actually been any confirmation anywhere that 3 is on the way, but we know it is. You know, if That's what we're trying to say. It's, <laughs> it's inevitable at this point that it will be in production, albeit even it might only be in the early stages or whatever. But, we know. but how far do you think this Remake train is going to run? Because once 3 is done, I hope they've got that out of its system now. Because the way I see it is Code Veronica has been imported to the framework engine for the 360 and PS3 release. So there's no reason really why that can't be reintroduced for modern day formats. It could even have a PC release with the framework engine. But where is that line drawn, that magical line? Because at some point, with Resident Evil 3 having a remake, that now means that in a sense the entire series is future-proof to be released on... 
all the numbered series, the Revelation games and that, they're all in that sort of state now where they can be re-released in future formats indefinitely. But the fans, and I, and I know the fans and their demands, I just get the feeling that once 3 is out of the way, they're going to want a Code Veronica remake. And then we're going to want a Resident Evil 4 remake. And then we're going to want a remake of the original, but done in the style of Resident Evil 2. <laughs> How far do you think this remake train can run? Because I just want to get back to the new numbered titles or a Revelations 3. Yeah. I don't think it'll yeah, go past 3. I don't yeah, think they'll do Code Veronica. I, I don't think Code it. Veronica is popular enough because Resident Evil 2, it's everybody loves it and you know, for, for whatever reason, people want it to be remade, whereas I don't think Code Veronica, even though it was generally accepted as a good game by the majority, I don't think anybody, you know, really pines for it to be remade. It didn't help that it was Dreamcast exclusive for quite a while, and so most people just went oh, well, like, it can't be that important if it's only on Dreamcast, and gradually it became a bit more aware within the community. I don't know if I agree with that at the time. People were pretty hyped about it. It would have convinced some people to pick up a Dreamcast, but it, I, yeah, you're right in this since there were some people who were like, I can just wait because it's probably going to get ported to PS2. And it did within 18 months, less than 18 months. It was the big triumphant return of Chris and Wesker. And... Yeah, it was It was a big deal. Like It wasn't a small thing. But yeah, I'm kind of in the sense that I understand what's being said, which is that, yeah, there's, I don't hear a lot of people like... I've definitely seen people say, oh, maybe that would be the next remake if they were going to. But I'm not sure people really need it or want it. Like they were clamoring on about the remake for two yeah. and a remake for three continuing just seems to make sense progressively just because yeah it's then the only title that hasn't got a modern equivalent so and, and everyone seems okay with that because it, it's going to use the same engine and it, it'll expand it means they can build these two games i mean they might you know we, we were talking about this before maybe we'll understand that there's a little bit of more links that they've put in that will tie back to a remake of three that they've already thought about who knows we've joked about it but like you know if they're going to remake something like Survivor and make a new version of it and then expand it, then that would be okay with that. But I'd rather otherwise yeah, see new games. If 2 and 3 are successful, which they're going to be, I can see them thinking about Outbreak and doing it properly. See, I'm not as enamored with Outbreak as you guys, uh, but I could see the opportunity of doing an Outbreak-esque game yeah. in the same yeah, concept yeah, right, yeah. of Raccoon City and doing a new take on it, but basing okay. it around the new versions yeah. of RE2 and RE3. I could see that. But again, which is less of a remake at that point and more, again, of a reimagined yeah. Or a, just a new title. And I'm okay with that because it's a new title. But I, I don't know. I, I don't think anyone's yeah. affiliated towards the Outbreak characters per se. But, I, mm. you know, they're not supposed to be important characters. Just for every day. Yeah. That was exactly. the whole point. That yeah. was supposed to be. So, but I survived as a reckon city. I still think if they announce that we're going to do you know, Resident Evil Online, whatever you want to call it, there's 20 scenarios you can all play with your friends. Remember Outbreak? Yeah, it's like that, but like properly working online. I think people will get quite excited. We'll see, we'll see. So, it, ooh, I don't know. I'm still very much on the fence with regards to the story and its involvement. I mean, the only way we'll know for sure is if they introduce a completely new plot element for Remake 2 that is then followed up on in Resident Evil 8. That would really annoy me, because then it, you're basically ignoring huge amounts of good quality canon. I mean, if they obviously do a new Wesker's report or something, then they're obviously going to use footage and events from the remake, aren't they? But yeah. mm, that still doesn't necessarily mean the original is irrelevant. Capcom are notoriously poor at saying what is canon, what isn't canon, and they change their minds you know, whatever. I just, I, I don't know if they're ever going to come up to that position and do a Wesker's report and and say, well, this is the story now. Because they've never done one before. Why would they start it now? I wonder if we're going to have to uh, apply the same sort of rationale that you do with the uh, 
Chronicles games where like if Remake 2 gives you like the full Ada backstory of what was going on in 1998 with her character, then obviously that becomes a sense of canon. Yes. Because we've got nothing to contradict it, so you can assume that that is right. But then there might be things in the game that's in Remake 2 that are so contradictory, you sort of say, well, we'll have to go for the original in that respect. Yeah. Or the one that's the least contradictory, yeah. Yeah, and, and it, you could have a real headache on again, like we had with Umbrella Chronicles, and in the end, the community sort of made up this rule, didn't it? Whereas if it's a representation of an original game's event, you ignore it. If it's original to that game, it's canon. Yeah, like a good example could be, like, for example, if you found out that the rival company that Ada works or whatnot is actually just called HCF. I know we know it sounds for Hive Capture Force. We think it's their private army. I don't think it's ever really been confirmed. Whatever. If the name of the organisation that she works for is HCF, that's really good because that, that fills in huge blanks in everyone's timelines. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> and you'd be like, oh, yeah. I want to keep that, I want to keep that. <laughs> but you don't know. <laughs> but we'll see. One last thing on the canonicity thing. I think all the major plot points will remain the same. You yeah. know, Ada will fake a death, Sherry will still get infected, Leon, Claire, I mean, and Sherry will escape together, Brian Irons and Ben will still die. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, you you look at the little bits. I mean, even how we know, obviously, the, the meet-up at the start is very similar petrol station convenience kind of area sherry dropping the pendant has the scenario how it's surrounding it has slightly changed but it's still the same thing i totally think all the main beats and all the big moments are all yeah. expected to, to relatively line up they might change the setups will be different but yeah i think there's certain things that have to happen specific events may vary like <laughs> Yeah. We'll see. I think I'm going to really, really enjoy this game. I think it's going to be brilliant fun. And I'm hoping I have that feeling that Resident Evil 7 gave me of I don't really want to play it because I know I've not got a lot of ammo. I don't really want to go to the guardhouse type area. I don't, you know, in Resident Evil 7, I don't really want to go outside because I think I've seen Marguerite wandering around there. You know, that kind of thing. So you're talking about that level of dread. That's the Resident Evil that I grew up on, absolutely adoring. And not I really wish it was in VR. I was going to say that, actually. Yeah. It seems odd that this game isn't in VR it's... or have a VR mode. They tried. They've said that they tried all the different camera angles. They tried VR to see if it would work and didn't for as far as what they're trying to do. So at least you can be understanding that they at least were thinking about it. And it's surprising, you know, that's probably a big challenge because I'm pretty sure internally Capcom must have been, like, really happy. Like, the shareholders and the management must have been really happy at the response to the VR in Resident Evil 7. Because it's constantly touted as one of the better big VR releases. And you'd think immediately the management would like, you have to make it VR because it helped sell copies. So the fact that they've kind of put their foot down and said it doesn't really work in VR is probably a big deal. Like, yeah. yeah. Right, we do have a call-in. Selfish Gene is making another appearance on the podcast. Bless him. So let's listen to what he's got to say. Uh, his final preview for Resident Evil 2 Remake. Hello Project Umbrella, I just thought I would call in and uh, let you know my thoughts on what I've seen so far of the Resident Evil 2 remake. Make a few predictions before you know, we get the game in our hands in about three weeks. So personally I've looked at very, very little gameplay footage. I know a lot of it's come out of the Leon demo and then later the Claire demo. I think I watched sort of the first few minutes um, pretty much when, only up until Marvin in the Leon game. Yeah, really nothing beyond that. And then the Claire footage I've seen I think when she's in the mortuary and when she's being chased by Mr X but really nothing beyond that I've seen a few screenshots of the new orphanage area sort of that that lot of press shots that came out and um, I'm sort of keeping myself quite naive to what they might put in the final game 
yeah, I'm I'm hoping to be quite surprised by it all. You know, the predictions I make are coming from that perspective. So yeah, some of the things I I'm worried about maybe maybe have already been answered, and people might know about that. So sorry if I'm I'm not making a lot of sense. It's the things that sort of worry me about the game. I, I should say at the beginning, I'm, I'm I'm cautiously optimistic. I'm not too bothered by a lot of the changes that they've made in the game because you know like I can always just go back and play one of the many ports of the original Resident Evil 2, and it's timeless. It's classic. It's never a chore to play, and I, I love it to bits. It's it's beautiful. One thing I actually really like is that they've committed to the changes they've made so like you know given that they're going to change the rpd layout they're changing it up heaps and really making it really interesting for you know people who've played the original given they've changed the perspective from the original it looks like they're playing to the strengths of a third person perspective so that they're not trying to please everybody and i think because of this conviction they kind of are pleasing everybody they're, they're making it you know they're giving older fans something and i really like that i'm confident that the people making this sort of know enough about the original and how it sort of works as a game to make it a really excellent game another thing that concerns me a little bit i suppose is the dlc scenario but i must say resident evil 7 sort of allayed my fears in that regard in that that had a you know had the free not a hero chapter and the all the other ancillary chapters were entirely optional really from a gameplay point of view uh, story-wise i guess there was there was little bits um which which were fun most thing i'm worried about is the fourth survivor and the tofu survivor being walled off as paid dlcs um capcom may have said something about that already i, I just don't know yeah i think sort of capcom from last generation were quite heinous with the you know the you know the kilobyte unlock for the versus mode in mercenaries in resident evil 5 and they charged i can't remember how much anymore for that on disc dlc which was quite scandalous at the time and and this generation you know compared to the the loot boxes and things that, that sort of plague other titles capcom seemed to be you know quite reasonable i guess in my regard given that we've got dlc is a thing in the world now the one thing i have seen is like an objective overlay that says you know return to the main hall or you know i forget exactly what it said but you know it sort of had in the top corner you know telling you where to go next what your sort of mission is i'm just hoping that sort of short-term goal-driven gameplay can be turned off and we can just be dumped in the rpd and say okay I'm just going to try and open all the doors, see where they go, see if I find an item, and maybe I'll see somewhere that that item will fit, or I'll see a socket and think, oh, I'll have to find something that fits in there and, and come back later, which has been lost in, in recent games. I think, based on what I've seen, the inventory management will be really limited and tame compared to the older titles, where you did have to think about what you picked up and what you carried and how much health you you carry forward in the game and, and, things, and, and also how you approach zones in the game like i know resident evil 3 you know with the cable car you know you've got to get the oil and the additive and the i think the spark plug and the, and the cable you know now when i play it i just carry all three at once which takes up a lot of my inventory but i, I remember when i first played it, i'd take them one at a time so i'd have more health and ammo even though i was going across the same areas multiple times it was slower but it was sort of how i played and, but I, I don't think we'll see that in like, i think you've got a bigger inventory and i just think if they if they go more action route where you've got more ammo i think yeah you it's hard to tell but then the enemies i've seen so far look really tough to bring down so and maybe you have to avoid combat i don't know i'd, I'd love to be surprised where there, there is quite a lot of inventory management but I, I, it, it speaks to an older style of game which i don't know how people enjoy as much anymore the other thing i think something that will bug me a lot is um is if and when the game forgets its setting so Resident Evil 2 set in 
September 1998, and when it came out, it was actually set in the future, and then it was it was always sort of a contemporary game. But I think as Resident Evil games came out, and Outbreak and the Chronicles games are really guilty of this, that they sort of seem to be made in the present rather than a very concrete 1998. So you see things like all well, Ada's, you know, gadgets and gimmicks, and you know, in the labs in in Outbreak and and Chronicles too. It's just really sort of you know things from the, the mid to late 2000s that just sort of crept back into this 1998 setting. And I'm just hoping that 1998 is far enough away that we really do have this this sense of setting that I think was lost uh, in, in a lot of those games there. And that's probably why they've been a bit forgettable. And I don't know, the 90s somewhat in vogue now to, as a setting, you know, like, like you know, Stranger Things has done for the 80s. Could we see the 90s as a, a place to set a movie or something? I don't know. One final prediction, I think... Uh, about two days before the game drops, Capcom will put out a launch trailer, like they always do, and it will reveal way too much, like they always do, and sort of spoil everything, like they always seem to have done. Like It'll probably show the final boss and, and ultimate cinematics as well. So so I'm sort of going to go incommunicado for the, about that week before the game drops. Just I just, I don't know, Capcom set up all these mysterious things, like Resident Evil 5, the intrigue with you know Jill being dead and stuff, and they just undo all their good work. Two days before, like that, they just can't wait, and I don't know why. They always do it. Well, they have for the last at least ten years since Resident Evil Five. So yeah, I'll be tuning out for a little while. I'll hopefully get some solid hours in, and um, yeah, tell you what I think about it once I've played it. Thanks very much, guys. Some really, really interesting points there. It covered quite a few. We haven't touched on not necessarily DLC, but that the, the hunk and tofu. Well. Hunk and Tofu side missions and their proximity to the game. Or anything else, you know, that they may have added in too, like, because I suspect that they will take the opportunity to add those and maybe throw in a few other random things. Well, I think there's been numerous sources which say the Hunk and Tofu games are in there, and I don't think they're behind a paywall. Okay. So there's that at least. So far, the only DLCs have been, like, what, the bonus weapons, bonus costumes, and the soundtrack thing that are all part of the various pre-order deluxe collector's editions etc yeah and like you know your classic uh, music mod i could also Mm. see hugs mission having to battle birkin i hope to god they explain where he's been for a week (laughs) they might change the date on that they may well change the date um he talks about inventory management and one of the things that a lot of the when the sort of extended gameplay previews came out and they obviously let journalists and websites play the game there was nearly a unanimous sort of thing that ran through a lot of the previews in that if you go through the game with the intention of killing every zombie you run out of ammo really really fast so it seems that the emphasis in this is to incapacitate more than remove so you actually see in a lot of the, the gameplay footage that came out from a lot of sites they're actually just like you know taking a zombie's leg out but actually leaving it alive um, yeah. Which is a very interesting way of playing it. You know, usually you are used to either dodging all together and not even wasting a single bullet, or you know, you use that ammo to remove. So that you know, this is going to be a bit more of an interesting way of playing if you've actually got to like actively wing them to slow them down and things like that. And I think that ties into some of the changes they've made with the layout by adding extra corridors and mm. uh, putting extra doors in the room so you can sort of choose your route around the station. You know, if you know it's three zombies waiting in one corridor, you'll obviously go a different way. That's exactly what I was going to say. It's to do with the way that the rooms are laid out, even the spatial awareness of it too, like just how certain bits get narrower or wider as well in the sense that they can have zombies in places where you, you can't dodge them. Like, you don't have that choice, but you could, in, in fact, yeah, like... 
take out a leg or knock it back so that you could quickly run past, which is definitely it's a way of making it more interesting for sure. I think what also Gene mentioned about that kind of freedom to explore and not have that overlay, you know, mission type style, get back here, do that. I get that entirely. We've always spoken about mm. how, the, how the original games, they are linear, but they never felt linear because of the fact that you could go to quite a huge area and you could explore and as Gene mentioned, you would note, ah, right, well I need the spade key here and I'll carry on that kind of thing. He's right. You wouldn't want to necessarily be told, now go to the East Corridor, now go to the RPD room, the Stars room, and you'd be like, you know, you want to kind of do it in your own way, and then you get your own kind of unique experience. And one thing I saw in some of the trailers um, in the demo was that shutter, I think, in the main hall. Um, yeah. I'm worried because it's my biggest complaint about Revelations is that they become far too linear. Even Revelations 2 is a bit guilty of it, which was a bit more open plan, is that they have these shutters areas that shut down and you can't go back. And I yeah. don't like. And I don't like that. I don't like that. But I want to. I want to go back. It was hilarious that in like Resident Evil Six, it gave you like an option to turn off all of the HUD, which included like where you needed to go. And yet, all that game is in a sense is a corridor. That, mm-hmm. That's all you know. There is such, For the a, most such part, a, yeah. a single way you can go. So it's completely irrelevant whether you've got the HUD on or off. Um, and I, I hope. Judging from like the Claire footage of escaping the tyrant and things like that, it, the police station does look open ended. Yeah. And in that sense, that's really excited because honestly, guys, when was the last time we had like a true hub? Yeah. You know, where you, you have like a base of operations, which is like the main hall, and then you have to go, fucking hell, which, which door do I need to go through here? I've got this item. Where It'd be really heartbreaking for me if you get like an emblem, and then the first thing that happens is somewhere on the screen appears where you need to go and put it. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's like, come on, let me remember, you know. And back in the day, it was like, let me check the back of the manual because I wrote it down. Or, <laughs> you know, in the notes section. You know that what, was, Nick? Um... That tells me everything I need to know about you. I bet you're one of those people, aren't you? I've got a pre-owned version of the American version of Resident Evil on the PlayStation. It was the only version I could find a few years ago. And some fucker has written in the manual the John Ada Mole puzzle. I bet it's your copy, isn't it? I bet bet that's that's who it is. I have a PAL copy of the original and someone's written in the back in the notes just two words that just says, Be safe. <laughs> oh, that's lovely. Uh, do you write in your manuals, Nick? No, I don't. I don't. I don't. But I've certainly written down notes as I've played. But not I, in the manual. Not in the manual. I've, I've not oh, yeah, that's all right then. <laughs> I'm okay with the midground, which is that it doesn't give you like the on-screen display telling you where to go. But if you, as the character, have come across the result of where you should put the item, but didn't know what it was and checked it, it's marked on your map. I'm okay with that as a midpoint. So that you've Rem- got that as a reminder. Was it remake or zero? Forgive me. Um, if you've been in a room and there was still things to do, like a puzzle or an item, it would come up a different colour. And if it was zero, completed... zero does it because you could leave items, so it would mark where the items were, and the room and it, would be a different colour. I think on the key, does it still say like um, still investigating or something like that? Doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, but that was always good, and it and on the map, the room changes colour, doesn't it? Depending on once you've completed. Yeah everything in that area or there's no no further items so that was quite good right well thank you gene for that calling that was um, informative as always and let's see how your uh, predictions come along and uh, i'll be looking forward to your calling 
as well. If you, um, and if anyone else wants to do a call-in, please do. They really, really do appreciate um, call-ins and comments on the Facebook. Um, anything you want to discuss about what podcast we're going to be discussing, it's it's really useful just to you know bring you guys involved as well. So that does wrap it up. We don't want to spend too long talking about the preview because we're going to have a huge podcast, I'm sure, with uh, Revec to probably even more than one. Let's be honest. We'll probably <laughs> dedicate one to the canon of it. You know, it could be that controversial. We'll see. We'll see. So. So um, that does finish the main discussion. We'll now start Season 5 of Neptune's Biohazard Quiz. The Quiz. A test of knowledge, especially as a competition between individuals or teams as a form of entertainment, usually hosted by a quiz master. Can I just ask, have you had all of these uh, questions independently verified? He doesn't even know the general knowledge stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Why is this bad as Chris Master? It's not going to be one of these quizzes. <laughs> I think well, we look, should be. I think we should get another question, John. Don't you? Already fallen into control. Already fallen into. Yeah, well, that, that's to be expected. I, and once again, Nick is at the centre of that controversy. <laughs> Absolutely. This is Neptune's Biohazard Quiz. So welcome, welcome, one and all. After the quiz-laden edition of Biohazard Stars, you'd think we were quizzed out, but alas, you are not. And I have leftover questions, <laughs> thank Christ. Oh, no. Yeah, so <laughs> taken from all areas of Biohazard Stars, which I think was a universal success. I think everyone did very well. It was good fun. So everyone can clear their notepads. We have five questions. It's the standard format, so let's play. Question number one. We start with a timeline question. What date did Chris leave for Europe? Mm. I think we've been discussing Chris's diary, have we not? Oh, we have. We have, so let's have that date. Question number two. Who is the character model used as the operator in the Mercenaries? Huh? Oh, yes. Yes. Yep. Uh, th- this I, know, one... I know this one. Oh, good, good. I think I know it anyway. This is um, this could be tailored quite nicely for Star Siren. Question number three: How do you make the pesticide in below freezing point? The Vigil. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Not sure. <sighs> Have you done below freezing point yet? Yeah, yeah, second yeah. one. Okay. Question number four: What was the survival rate of the primary contamination zone seen in Umbrella's End? We're looking for a percentage. <laughs> oh, <dear. laughs> See, I have that reaction just about every single question. <laughs> so when Batman gives us one like that, I know fucking hell, this is a legitimately difficult one. <laughs> I know, but I know it though, which is probably even sadder. <laughs> <laughs> so what was it? The survival. You say it one more time, please. Nick. Yes. What was the survival rate of the primary contamination zone seen in Umbrella's End? It's a percentage. Question at number five: the trial refinement file from Outbreak File Two. 
written by whom? The iconic file. <laughs> yes, the trial refinement file from Outbreak File 2 was written by whom? That's the five... Oh, what's that noise? Yes, that's right. It's the welcome return of non-canon corner. God. <laughs> Where, gentlemen, there is three points up for grabs. There we go. How well do you know your mobile games? So, can you name the three tyrants that appear in the Degeneration mobile game? <sighs> I've never even played it. I don't even think I've watched a single bit of footage about it. And isn't it like a shameless RE4 clone with some yes. really terrible airport graphics? Yes, you are spot on. <laughs> that, that does conclude our questions. Join us after this one. We'll run through those answers. So, we start with question number one. That was the timeline question. What date did Chris leave for Europe? Batman, we'll start with you. August 24th, 1998. August 24th. What did you put, Star Tyrant? August 24th, 1998. And Rob? I put after August 24th, 1998. <laughs> <laughs> yes, August 24th, 1998 was the answer I was looking for. Points all round, well done. Very good. Not everyone gets a timeline question straight off the bat but there we go question number two was who was the character model that was used as the operator in the mercenaries Rob you sounded confident on this one Brian Irons okay Stars Tarrant who did you put it's Brian Irons but his face is obscured mm. Batman who did you put yep Brian Irons oh, there we go look at this two out of two from everyone correct question number three how do you make the pesticide slash v-jolt in below freezing point Batman Oh, it's um, something, something, something. Yes, yes. Um, um, bongo. I don't know. <laughs> um, zero, zero, four and um, zero, zero, seven equals V-Jolt. Something like that. You, you are correct. It is something like that. Uh, Stars Tyrant? I believe by the time you play that game, someone's already kindly mixed most of them for you. So I believe, and I hope I've got this right, it's UMB 03 and 17, and you add them both to get V-Jolt. Okay, Romp? I have no idea. Can't remember. <laughs> I, yeah, I, no, no answer. I'm going to give half a point to Stars Tyrant. I have um 20 plus um 3, and then you add the VP. What's VJOL is 20? I'm going to have to um, check this out, Nick. Um 20? Controversy. Controversy. Once you hit 20, it becomes VJOL. Does it? Okay. I, right. I don't think that is it. I'm going to have to check them out. D- oh, definitely God. not um bongo, then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll just quickly say, carry on. <laughs> you can correct me, it's fine. It says so in the opening introduction of the quiz. We need to start a new series of controversy. So Why break a habit of a lifetime? Right, question yeah, number four. What was the survival rate of the primary contamination zone seen in Umbrella's end? We're looking for a percentage. Batman thought he knew. So we might leave him till the end. Rob, what's your percentage? I took a complete stab in the dark and said like 17. I have no idea. Stars Siren? I just went for a guess at 3. 3%. Batman? I think it's 2. Oh, 
It is two. Well done. Oh. <laughs> Way too high. Four stars. One off. One off. Uh, five. Question number five was the trial refinement file from Outbreak 2 was written by whom? Rombi? Did you know this one? No, I don't know the Outbreak games at all, so these questions... That's two of our regular podcasts, you and George, don't... Part of it was the fact that the first game, the PAL version, wasn't online, and the That's... online support here in New Zealand was absolutely dire, and I just didn't really like them that much. Okay. <gasps> <laughs> uh, Batman, did you know who this was written by? If it's the one I'm thinking of, I think it is an umbrella researcher called Michael Jenkins. Star's turn. I had no idea, so I just put Carter... A point to Batman, it is Michael Jenkins. Right. Well is, is, is he brother to Peter Jenkins? He is. Is he? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, stars, have you confirmed? Kind of. You do collect UMB3. Yep. But it's VP17, and you add them together and you get VJOL. I think that's close enough. Yeah, so it's my bad then. So I, I, yeah. So well done. So a point there, two stars. Sorry. So the final scores after the five questions: Batman has four out of five, Stars has three, and Rob has two. But it all can change as we enter non-canon corner. Three points up for grabs. <laughs> this ridiculous so, question. It's fucking nonsense. <laughs> have you even played this game, Nick? <laughs> I have actually. Yeah, I had it oh, on. Um, no, it, it's a funny game. You play it horizontally on your phone, and then the controls is this weird iPhone analog stick on the screen. It's very odd. Again, it's, it's one of the only Resident Evil games based on a different media. That's never happened before. So, in Degeneration, there are three tyrants that appear as bosses. Which ones are they? So, Rob first, because he needs the points. I have no idea. I know of this game on the mobiles. I remember seeing it, but never played it. So, nah, no idea. Oh, you can have a guess at some tyrants. Gosh, I don't know. It could be anything. Um, I don't know. No, nah, I'm not even going to bother. <laughs> oh, you've got, to, you've got to have a guess. Just even need the numbers. Just tell me what games they're from, because they're all from different games. Oh, okay. okay. I'm going to say Prototype and more, no, or two. Yeah, no, I have no idea. I'm not even that motivated. Stars <laughs> 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 Tavern? I think then, since you've given us a clue there, I'll, I'll go for a guess. I think it'll be the T001 from Zero, the T002 from Remake, and the 087-103 from Code Veronica. Batman? I think the Proto-Tyrant is definitely in it, because I'm sure I've seen that before. And I'll say the T002 and T103. Well, interesting. Between you, you've got the answers. The answers are Tyrant T001, so the Proto-Tyrant, the T103 from Resident Evil 2 and the 103-078 from Code Veronica. Everyone gets two points apiece, so no one did any better or worse. It was a total waste of time having done Cannon Corner. But, <laughs> <laughs> but didn't we learn something today? And that's the most important thing. So the final scores on the doors. Batman has uh, six points. Stars Tyrant has five points. And Romby has four points. So think, congratulations, Batman. I think I may have said uh, T087 as well, didn't I? I knew what you meant. So that does conclude this edition of Neptune's Biohazard Quiz. Join us for the next podcast when we'll have some more devilishly wonderful questions. <laughs> I'm so not motivated today. I'm so not motivated. Thank you, everyone, for listening to the podcast. I hope that's whetted your appetite for uh, Resident Evil 2 Remake, if it needed any more wetting, which I doubt it did. But, you know, 
We aim to serve, we aim to please. So next time, our next podcast is likely to be the big one, the Resident Evil 2 remake. We are hoping to get that recorded first week of February for an early release as possible because we all want to sit down and play it and then report back uh, where we thought was great, maybe less great, what we didn't like, what we didn't like, and then everyone give a review. So we really want people to be able to do an MP3 call-in that can go to our email address is pupodcast.hotmail.com alternatively you can leave us a message on Facebook and we try try and pick them up as quickly as possible or if you want to leave some comments on our Facebook that would be great or in our feedback community group on Facebook or contact us on Twitter um, which all of the ways you can get in contact with us and uh, any shout outs and um, you know you'll get a lovely mention on uh, probably going to be one of our most popular podcasts I would I would hope so with that in mind um, we've got that and Apocalypse audio commentary just to uh, ruin anyone's hope for if everyone loved Remake 2 we can bring you all back down to earth with how the Raccoon City incident was played out by someone who's clearly never played the games before. (laughs) 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 Or watched the opening cinematic of Code Veronica too many times. So there we go. It is a goodbye from me, Neptune. Goodbye from me, Batman. Goodbye from me, Sars Tyrant. And goodbye from Ring Rumby.